Dear Christian friends, this past week I had an opportunity to watch on TV the NBA All-Star Game Draft. Now, prior to the draft over many years, it was the stars from the East and the stars from the West conferences. They would battle against each other in a, a game of showmanship, and they were divided because of their conference they were in. And in some years, because of the talent on one side or the other, the the scores were very lopsided. Well, more recently, the conference players have mixed it up now. And they choose a captain from each of the conferences, and they get to choose who they want to be on their team from either the East or the West. And it brings back some memories as a child and teenager playing games with friends and others in the community. Now, that picture is a lot older than me, okay? But it was pretty interesting because it shows where they got the baseball bat, and I don't know if you ever did that, where one side, the captain, they would throw the bat to the other, and they'd grab it, and then they'd put their hand on it, and whoever had right underneath the knob, and sometimes they put fingers in, they got to choose first. It would even be in schools where we would choose teams. Uh, There's obviously a coin-flipping app nowadays that you can use instead of baseball bats. I can't find an app, though, to simulate the hands. Someday, I'm sure, someone will think of it. But also, when you were in school, perhaps, were you the first one who was picked for a team in class, in gym class? Were you the last one for a basketball, soccer, or, or dodgeball game? It was really always good if your best friend was captain that day. Because uh, no matter what your talents and skills were, uh, you know you would be picked early. The disaster days, those were the ones when it was your worst sport and the, the worst enemies were there on that same day. And gradually all the kids around you would begin to line up on teams. And there you are, more and more alone. You're the wrong kind of standout at that point, an obvious reject. Learning what it feels like to be an outcast is a painful lesson that stays with us all of our lives. Feeling the sting of being a helpless child, perhaps, shapes the way that we relate to people as adults. Do you ever wonder why people isolate themselves, avoiding any risk of rejection by never really opening up to others? Or why is it that some people will try to buy their way into being popular or being accepted? They flatter others and and sweet-talk them. They may offer foolish gifts or even false compliments. Anything so that they can make sure that they always have a welcome mat instead of a closed door for themselves. Well, it's fear. It's not being uptight or perhaps on the other extreme, having a pleasant, good-natured temperament that drives these hectic attempts to achieve acceptance. Don't waste your breath, your time, or your energy on dreaming about being loved and accepted by all people. That's a false and worthless dream. In today's Sermon on the Mount Gospel, a reading from Luke, Jesus offers a remarkable list of blessings and woes to warn against tiny views of outlooks and dreams. That's what the disciples were probably focusing on for themselves. Instead, Jesus wants to demonstrate the kind of dreams that his disciples and us too today should be dreaming instead. And so within those Beatitudes, 
He says, you know, the poor shouldn't just dream about finally getting a roof over their head and shoes on their feet. The dream come true for the poor that Jesus offers is that they will receive nothing less than all the glory that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom is theirs. The hungry, they shouldn't just dream about having a big juicy steak or a thick slice of pie. The dream come true for the hungry that Jesus offers is that they will be forever filled and satisfied in the extravagant banquet table that is in the heavenly feast to come. The weeping, the sorrowful, they shouldn't just dream about their burdens being lifted. The dream come true for the mourning and those who weep. The one that Jesus offers them is that they'll be filled with laughter and lightheartedness and that joy will identify their lives. Being enriched and empowered, being satisfied and fulfilled and joyfully alive, all the souls Jesus dreams of for his people, it's to have those things. That's the kind of diet that Jesus intends for you and me to have for healthy living. Compare Jesus' vision with your own best hopes and visions for yourself and your future. Are you guilty of starving your soul in the way that you hope? Are you dreaming tiny, pint-sized dreams instead of the amazing, outstanding, out-of-this-world ones that God intends for your soul to feed on? Do you catch yourself daydreaming instead of God-dreaming? One of the most convincing daydreams we have to try to satisfy ourselves is the make-a-difference diet. But the small portions of a -a make-a-difference diet keep so many of our souls skinny, and we may even look anorexic, like some of the fashion models of the industry. We've come to accept that type of look or dream, perhaps as one we would even admire for what they're doing. The make-a-difference diet sounds pretty interesting. It starts out pretty good. We chart our dreams for the future, We plot out our journeys and we vow that what we want to do is to really make a difference in the world. What's so bad about that? It sounds respectable. It's honorable. It's intentional. And most of all, here's the catch, it is doable. But guess what? We're not put on this earth to make a difference. Jesus didn't offer us the kingdom of God, eternal life, a fulfilling life here, the peace that passes all understanding, and also the joy of the Lord, just so that we could make a difference. And for these next moments, what I want to do is take you beyond that make-a-difference diet in life. God sent Jesus, his son, he sent him on that cross, not to make a difference in the world, but to make a different world. Not to make a difference in adjustments and accommodations in the existing order of things, but to throw out that order and create a new one, to replace it. Not to change the diet, but to change the lifestyle. God sent Jesus to redeem the world, and he sent him to redream the world too. And as Jesus redeemed and redreamed people, We know that we are not to make a difference in life, but to make life different. 
And if we truly want to be a part of God's mission to do that, to redeem and redream the world, we've got to get off of that make-a-difference diet and instead stuff our souls. Do it with God-sized dreams. Dreams can only become a reality when we wake up to those around us whose dreams have been shattered. Maybe it's some particular circumstance in their life. It could be, perhaps, a lack of self-esteem. Or it may be that they made less than perfect choices in their life or possibly work. We can start stuffing our souls with the God-sized dreams by trying to model that dream and to invest our time and energy so that we can be the dream makers. Even in our own community, as we look out beyond us to many who have special needs, needs to be filled, those spiritual needs especially. Jesus made the world different by becoming aware of the reality of the lives that he touched. And the Beatitudes that Jesus had spoken in response to those needs, it was to those who had come to hear him, Luke says, and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And just as power was coming from him and healing them all, power flows through us to others. The power to heal others comes from being among and within us. Whenever we individually or even collectively remain in touch with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Remember Paul's words, Galatians 2.20? He says, you know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Is Christ living in you in a visible way that people see that? We have to be God's eyes, his ears, and also his hands in the world around us. We're called to wake up and to give our dreams shape and purpose in our own daily life and work. In short, we make the world different by making ourselves different. And we make ourselves different when, relying on God's love, we choose to respond compassionately to the human needs that exist around us. We make ourselves different when, relying on God's insight, we see the face of Christ in the face of perhaps a a homeless person. We make ourselves different when relying on our energy and courage that comes from God, that we attempt to do what others say is impossible. The scriptures challenge us to make life different so that it more closely coincides with the kingdom of God. We can't just settle for making a difference. Church history is filled with stories of Christians who have accepted Christ's challenge to make the world different. The apostles, in the book of Acts, it says that they turned the world upside down. Well, they did that to make the world right side up again, to be one with God. The Christian martyrs who remained faithful to death, proclaiming Christ alone as the Lord and Savior of the world. The many missionaries who ended up going and carrying that message of Jesus, the light of the world, to many dark places on this earth. And there were a number of them who died in that effort. And also lay men and women like yourselves. People who, under the guidance of Christ, have struggled for justice for the needy, help for the helpless, and also an end to racial and ethnic prejudices. 
There's many such heroes of the faith who had these God-sized dreams and who helped to make the world a different place. We can get inspiration from their stories. And one particular dreamer comes to mind, William Carey. And when you travel to Leicester, England, if you go there today and you ask any clergyman about William Carey's place, you're going to be directed to go to a storefront where there's a sign with some letters embossed that say, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. These words were William Carey's motto, and he believed that with all his heart. He made it a reality in his entire life. Now, Carey wasn't born of wealth and of high social standing. In fact, as a young adult with a brilliant mind, he ended up finding himself repairing shoes in downtown Leicester. But as he would say, he repaired shoes for the glory of God. And God respected his dedication. Unlikely as it may seem, shoemaker Carey, he went on to the church authorities, and he offered himself to be a missionary to India. Now, the church at that time wasn't much into missions, and they didn't accept him for that. And some, no doubt, doubted his ability, (laughs) being a, a shoe repairman. Well, still, Carey had a calling, and when God finds a soul that is totally committed, God provides a way for God's work to be done. And so on his own, Carey founded a missionary society in 1792, And the next year, he went to be a missionary in India. And it turned out that Carey's intelligence enabled him to learn three languages of several languages that were in India. Bengali, Sanskrit, and Marathi. And now he was able to communicate the good news to the many people that were around him. He became a professor at a college in Calcutta. And he led many people to Christ. And he was a man of such unstoppable missionary effort that many scholars at that time called him the father of modern missions. Carey wasn't content to make a difference. Rather, he boldly was determined to make the world a different place. And he challenges us to remember that when God can do things, he can do things with those who dare to dream big dreams of service to him. We too can expect great things from God. And we too can attempt great things for God. And when we expect and attempt, we will make the world a different place. God's people are a different people. You know that. You're them. And as a result, we can go forth with all of our effort to dream about life's new realities in ways that were previously known only to the mind of God. It's not too late to reinvest your life, to take the time and recharge your soul with big dreams. Don't make a difference in the world. Do make the world a different place. And we do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.